live in a world bombarded with noise. Advertising, social media, self-help initiatives, and an unending amount of information at our fingertips. With so many voices competing for our attention and attempting to direct our lives, how do we know which one to listen to? And in the midst of the noise, how do we determine the will of God? Can his voice be heard above all the others? Tune in and listen. Now, in as much as we are resting, the kind of rest is not a rest where you do nothing. But rather, it's a rest where you learn and come out better. You experience the miraculous um, you know, nature of God. You, t- you, you, you participate in it. You become a part and parcel of what God is doing. And that is the kind of rest that God has called us into in the year 2021. Now, in 2022, he's saying there's something next to be done. So in other words, all you learned while you were at rest is time to bring them, or rather to make them practicable. You know, do something about it. And on Sunday, you remember, we we started talking about dreams, visions, and prophecies. Dreams, visions, and prophecy. And that is leading towards, you know, our conference, a year of rest, or rather a year of next. It's not just a year of next, it's a season of next. So it's next season, praise God. So there's so much that God is, um, you know, is asked us to do for the next 10 years. So we are actually calling it next 2031. That is if we are still here. Praise God. Jesus might come before then. And if he comes, I want to be on the first flight. Praise God. I want to be on the first flight. Hallelujah. You don't want to catch the second flight. Oh, my goodness. You don't want to be there. Second flight will come, but that's for those who, who would have gone through tribulations. That's not for us, okay? So do your best possible. Be on the first flight. Be on the first one. Hallelujah. So in our preparation today, we're still talking about dreams, visions, and prophecy. But we're, we're taking it a different turn today, and I'm talking about our mindset, your mindset. Because for us to be able to dream and to uh, come to that point where we visualize our dreams and then be able to speak words of power over those dreams, our mind needs to experience a reset. It needs to be changed somehow. There are things that, that didn't work in the previous phase that we can't carry on in this new phase. There are things that may have worked in the current phase that will no longer work in the new phase that we are entering. So there needs to be a shift in our thinking. There needs to be a shift in the way we dream. There needs to be a way that, you know, actually aligns with God's word for us so that we can work in the path of righteousness with ease. Is it possible to work with ease? Is it possible? And may I say to you, very well, it's possible. 
to walk on the path of righteousness with so much ease that you do not struggle to live God's own life, God's very life. Do you know why? Because he doesn't want us to struggle with Zoe. He doesn't want us to. He wants us to live a beautiful life. When he created Adam and Eve, he put them in the Garden of Eden to enjoy it, not to endure it. And so also is today. That now that we have been restored back to the life that God has called us to live, we ought to enjoy the life. Nevertheless, we need to have a mindset, a mind shift to be able to understand exactly what God wants us to do. And are we ready for that? And somehow this, um, this morning, you know, um, it was, may I call it my lazy day? It was a lazy day for me, kind of. Um, and myself and my wife, we started thinking about a few things, and we thought, there are things that we've not used for a very long time. You're taking space. Taking space. It's been there for a while. But when you look at them, you think, ah, there's a whole lot. But you never use them. So let, let, let's declutter. And we started taking them out one after the other. And be, before we started that exercise, I told her, I said, there are some of them that I'm quite emotional about. You know, I'm quite tied to them. I know I will never use them, but I'll never let it go. I said, so today is the day. We've got to do it. So we started moving things out and, you know, gradually rearranging things. And there was a heap of stuff that we pulled out. And we thought, wow, there's, there's a whole lot of them. Tonight, I want to share with you the need to get rid of mind clutter. Clutters your mind. Makes you feel like there's something going on. But there's nothing going on. You can't dream with your mind cluttered. You can't dream that way. Actually, it causes anxiety. You think this, you know, things are in, in place. You, you, you think you know, everything is organized. No, nothing is organized. Because when you check back in, the things that are clutching your mind, you can't make use of them. They expired a long time ago. Expired. You know, how many of you have gone back into your pantry and you realize those you know, cans that have long expired? But because they are still in can, you, you feel like, um, we can still keep them, right? Can we keep them? And some of us, guess what we do? We try to justify the reason why we need to keep them. So instead of looking for expiry date, we are looking for best before. So they said it's best before. So that means it's really not bad, right? And you're asking someone else so that they can agree with you for you to put it back right in the pantry for another six months. You can't use it. You can't give it away. It's taking space. It gives you an indication. It gives you an idea as though the pantry is full, but there's nothing in there because it's all filled with junk. 
Get rid of mind clutter. What are those things sitting in your mind that is taking space? It's not allowing fresh word of God to seep into your mind and take space. Is it tradition? Is it the sin of your brother or sister or rather a perceived sin that starts to worry you instead of, it, instead of you being the one to pray for them, it now worries you? That you can't stop judging them. What's cluttering your mind so much that you can't see what is actually going for you? But you can only see what's going on for others. What's cluttering your mind that stops you from praying? And all you do is actually justifying the reason why you couldn't pray yesterday. And actually it was not only just yesterday, it's been two weeks now. What's cluttering your mind? What, 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 what gets us there? Now, um, in her book, Throw Out 50 Things, Clear the Clutter, Find Your Life, Gail Blank challenges her readers to go room by room in their houses, straight out things, and, and then to go to work on their minds, get read, getting rid of mind clutter. Because if you look in your room, you find things that are no longer useful. How many of you have iPads that are no longer working and you still keep them? You're probably planning, you've been planning for the last three years to send them overseas and they're still with you. Get rid of them. What are those things that clutter your mind so much that it makes you deny the very miraculous in your life? That you look at it and, and it, it, it's meant to be a miracle. But then because your mind is so cluttered, you can't see the miracle. And because you can't see the miracle, you can't give thanks. And because you can't give thanks, you don't create an opportunity for more. Your mind is cluttered. Cluttered. What are those thoughts that are hanging on that you are hanging on to that you you are better off without? What are those things that you think is important right now, but yet they are actually what set the boundaries for your limitations? What historical um, successes are you hanging on to that makes you feel like you still have that skill? Historical successes. You know when I was, and I was, but you are not there anymore. Are you looking forward or you're still looking backward? Are you looking backward moving forward? Because that's not possible. Declutter your mind. You know, there are some behaviors, attitudes, you know, um, whatever it is, habits that we think, you know, I can't break it now. The, the concept of I can't is a mind thing. If you can break through the concept of impossibility, nothing can stop you.
What did Jesus say? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And he also said, and all things are possible to them that believe. And what's a belief? A believing thing is actually a mind construct that is embraced by faith. So you've got faith, you can believe. It impacts on your mind, you start to hope for something better, something brighter, something stronger. We talked about dream on Sunday, and we talked about you've got to be able to dream wide. You've got to be able to dream far. Let it be inclusive of so many other things. But you can't dream with your current mindset. It's got to be changed. It's got to be changed. It's got to be changed. So that your dream doesn't become what limits you. You see, God has set eternity in our hearts. And why did he set eternity in our hearts? Because he knows he's given us the capacity to achieve much more. So don't limit yourself. Because of the things that you've been told, I can't do this. They said, I can't do this. I've actually tried. I can't do it. I can't. I can't. I'd rather be jack of all trade than master of one. Okay, I'll explain that. For you shoot me. I'd rather try everything. Give it a go. Give it a go. Who says I can't be better at two things? Or even more. There was no sick person that was sent to Jesus that Jesus couldn't heal. He could have said, well, I'm only skilled at healing deaf people. But he healed both the deaf and the dead. He raised back to life. You say, okay, well, he was only good with dealing with humans. No, he spoke to the wind and the waves. And he stopped in his tracks. Don't let your mindset become what steals from you the grace of God upon your life. Do you understand that? Bible tells us, Galatians chapter 4, verse 20. I'll open that very quickly so that at least I have it quoted for you rightly. You still here? Actually, Galatians chapter 2, not chapter 4, chapter 2, verse 20. And I'm reading from the, I love King James, so let's do King James, right? Verse number 20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. See, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, he loved me and gave himself for me. I love that. And then verse number 21, it says, I do not. Say that with me. I do not. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Say, so for if righteousness come by the Lord, then Christ is dead in vain. Uh, the, the part I want you to 
to keep in mind tonight is I do not frustrate the grace of God. In other words, the grace of God can be frustrated. When you're not taking advantage of it. When it's there, ready for you to, to make a move. And you are walking as though you are with no help. That's frustrating the grace of God. When you limit its potential, its capacity to support you, that's frustrating the grace of God. When you know that when you speak those words, when you dream those things, when you, you, know, you go on your knees and pray over them, something should happen. You sit back as though God doesn't see me. God, if you, if you, you know, I'm here, still speak to me. And God says, I speak to you every day. How else do you want to know me? How else do you want to see me? I talk to you every day. I do not frustrate the grace. You see, Paul, Paul asks God to take from him an infirmity that worried him. It was a concern for him. He said, three times I asked God, but God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient. In other words, explore my grace. You will understand what I'm talking about. And God wants us to explore his grace. Was contained in his grace. Your help is in the name of the Lord. Was contained in his grace. And if you start to understand this, you will understand that your mind, those things that used to hold you back, has no potential anymore. You've got to get rid of his powers to hold you back. You know, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, As a man or woman, anyone, boy, girl, young, adult, teenager, whatever, as anyone think in their heart, so they are. That's what they become. So in other words, what you are today is a result, is a result of what you've been exposed to and what you think. You see, when you are exposed to the word of God, that's what you become. That's what you become. When you are exposed to lack, that's what you become. <laughs> when you are exposed to complaining all the time, that's what you become. Although you know it's, it's a canker worm that continues to eat deep, all your fight will be directed at fighting against that that holds you back. So instead of fighting, instead of moving forward, you are fighting against. Because that's what you've been exposed to. You see, children only become what they've been exposed to. There's so many factors in their lives that informs what they now become. The same thing with, with all of us. What determines how you think today is what you've been exposed to. You ex if you were exposed to uh, a family that are always arguing at home, the children will come out argumentative. If your parents don't care about God, that's what the children will come out to be. It's true. 
and they call it being liberal. Really? So we're liberal, you know, we just believe, you know, in the universe. Universe? Have you looked at the universe? Have you really looked at it? That the universe does not look after itself? Have you looked at it? You know, go, go to, you know, Google Sky and zoom into the sky just a little bit, just a tiny little bit. You see, those beautiful astrologers or astronomers, you know, they point out a, a, a pencil out to the space and take a photo of what that tip of pencil represents and they bring it back and expand on it. In just that little patch, you see universes. You see galaxies. In just that little patch. How about the rest? Say, the universe will take care of us. You are, you are kidding. Don't expose your children to the universe. Expose them to God. Can I say that again? Don't expose your children to the universe. Expose them to God. Because you expose them to the universe, everything that flies around in the universe will impact on them. As far as they know, and I may be wrong, but only Earth, only Earth has gravity. Of course, there are levels of gravity in others. But anything that comes into Earth's atmosphere gets drawn into itself. But you come out of the Earth's atmosphere and you go into space, you float. So the reason we are able to build houses and drive cars is because of gravity. And that law ought to be obeyed. Because if that law is not obeyed, and you go, well, I don't care. I'm just going to fly out of this 10-story building. Good luck with that. I'll be all right. It's like exposing your children to, to the universe. Don't worry. Just do whatever. You, you'll be okay. No, there is a law that ought to be followed. I, I love the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1. It, it talked about... The things that you see informs us about the existence of God. So you still see them and you deny God's very existence? All right, let's keep going. How much am I, have I got? Woo, wow, time runs quickly these days. Okay. Did you cut off my time? Just kidding. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. And that's my point number two today. You ready for it? Verse 11 says, 
Did I say chapter 2 or chapter 6? Chapter 6, great. Chapter 6, verse 11. It says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. So fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. Praise God. So whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And I want us to look at that same scripture. Um, from New International Version. Verse 11, it says here, But you, man of God, woman of God, boy of God, girl of God, brother of God, sister of God, whoever you are, but you, oh, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Why did I read that again? Because of one word. Now, he's asked us to flee from and pursue. Are you still here? You cannot pursue without fleeing from something. So he's asked us to flee from so that you are free to pursue after. And I'll allow you to read the, the, the rest of the scripture. Actually, a few verses before then it was talking about people's love for money. Their love for money is the root of all evil and jesting, and arguing, and fighting, and all of those reveling. He said, you're not meant to be part of those things. He said, so, man of God, brother of God, sister of God, God's children, he said, flee from, and pursue. My question for you tonight is, what in your mind's library do you need to flee from so that you can pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness? What is that? What are those books in your library you need to throw out so that you can bring in new ones? You think about our children, right? You think about our children. You love those books. You were the one who spent money on those books, right? You bought those books for them when they were in kindergarten. And then your heart breaks when they say, we are no longer reading that, mom. Because you're thinking, I spent a lot of money on these books. And then guess what you do? You pack those books away and keep them. We'll look at them later. But it's still in, in the bookshelf. And then you buy new ones for them. Now they are studying much more advanced stuff. But you still have kindergarten stuff. Or you go buy a tip or garbage somewhere on another person's backyard or something. And you look at that and go, I could use that later. And then you pick it and take it home. You clean it. You Enthrone it. Put it in a special place. But you never come to using them. 
All right, let's bring it to what really happens. Someone gives you an information about something, how that this thing no longer works for some certain people. And that becomes gospel to you. And you go, oh, it no longer works for people. They are no longer doing this kind of things. They are no longer issuing visas. They are no longer issuing, um, you know, whatever to people in New South Wales. Are you still in New South Wales? Are you still here? Do you know the blessing is not on the land? It's in your spirit. It's in your spirit. It's in your spirit. If the cloud be full of rain, ha, ah, hey, ha, let's not get started tonight. If the clouds be full of rain, the Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes, it said they empty themselves on the face of the earth. And how would your clouds be full of rain if you are not speaking into them? Because you've got to speak into them. You've got to believe for something that they say is impossible. You've got to be able to believe for something. You've got to be able to dream it. Dream it. Believe for it. And call it into being. You see, the God we have to, you know, with whom we work, with whom we live and move and have our being, he's the one who calls things into being as though they were. But they are not. But as though they were, he calls them into being. So when he calls them into being, they become real. That's what he does. And if he does that, Ephesians 5, verse 1. Be therefore imitators of God as beloved children. Are we still here? So flee from. What are those things you need to flee from? Those kind of conversations that you have with yourself that are not helpful. Those conversations that only tie you down, that only make you cry. Those conversations that you have with your buddies, with your colleagues, with your, um, you know, classmates. You know, they understand me. Uh, See, I, I only talk to them because they understand me. You are looking for someone who understands you? Actually, what you are trying to say when you say they understand me is that they are sympathetic with me. They don't judge me. But you see, there is a problem there. Do you know that? The problem is those who would not judge you, thank God they don't judge you, feel free with them, right? They never tell you what to do. They never tell you when things are wrong. They never tell you when you are about to fall into a ditch. They just say, oh, yeah, do you feel like jumping? It's okay. It's all right. I thought like that two days ago, too. Let the word of God dwell richly in you. It's a negative confession. What do they say? What are you saying as a result of what you've heard? Another one is assumptions. Assumptions. You don't even know how it works, but you assume that's how it works. Someone did something, and you are assuming what, what actually that meant. Actually, they were talking against me. They were talking about me. How did you know? I've come to the point where if I've not heard it from you, I don't care. Because when I care, guess who is in trouble? Me, not you. I go home, 
overthinking it and overthinking. What did she say about me? What did I hear her say? You know, I'm overthinking it. I'm in trouble. And for some reason, people that assume, people that assume do not have the, do not have the, do not have the balls to actually come up to you. They, they don't. You just assume. Is that what you say? Okay. And then their conversation about you changes. And any other person who cares to listen to them starts to assume the same thing that they thought about you together with them. Before you know it, you have an enemy of assumers. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Don't assume. Ask questions. Don't assume. Don't assume that's what the government said about it. Find out. So that at least you can pray well. You see, there's no prayers that you pray based on assumptions that work. Because you don't even have the facts anyway. So instead of praying against things that you've heard by assumption, let it go. Oh, I, I, I can't finish this without reading this to you. Second Corinthians chapter 10. I love this. Are you there? Chapter 10, verse number 3. It says, we are humans. Say that with me. We are humans. Can you say it again? We are humans. We are humans. That's great. But we don't wage war as humans do. Do you know Why? Because we are not just mere humans. We are superhumans. We are God's people. Alright. So we are humans, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Did you hear that? We knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Let me read it in something, in, you know, uh, in a, uh, a translation that you are used to. It says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world that's inefficient to provide. But in this, it actually says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. So to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So guess what we are fighting about or fighting against? Your current mindset. That's what he's saying. That's all your fight. Because if the devil wants to uh, frustrate you, he doesn't frustrate you by coming at night. He frustrates you by coming through your mind. He gives you ideas. He inflates the figures. And makes you fear for what is known. And then he leaves you to think that over. Actually, the devil always gives you an opportunity to go and think about it. Think about it. You think, you think they really like you? Go and think about it. And that gives you an opportunity 
to beat yourself and, and fight yourself. But what does scripture say? It says we are humans, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the struggles of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle. I've got so much to say on this scripture. I've got so much to say. So we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. What is he saying? He said, that mindset that used to you know, dissuade you from believing in God's word, he said, that's what you should fight against. So once you've won it, nothing, nothing can stand against you successfully. Hallelujah. So, Going home tonight, and we'll continue from here next time, but going home tonight, I want you to think about five things. Five things you'd like to flee from. Five ways of thinking that you want to, think, you want to flee from. And five things you want to pursue. Think about it. And stay committed to it. It could be a way of thinking. You say, I would never think like this anymore. Regardless of the situation, the situation might present itself the same way, but I would never think like this anymore. What's the first response when you get a bad news? What's your first response? I'll tell you what my first response is, and everyone around me knows that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. And you know what? Once I say that, I don't worry. I'm too old to worry. I know I, I don't mean I'm too old, you know, physically. I'm still young. My wife still loves me, right? Still very young. But I'm too old in my spiritual life to worry. I'm too old. If by now I'm still worrying about every little thing that happens, then what's the scripture, or rather, what's the gospel I'm preaching? I'm not saying there's no potential to be. But what did the scripture say? Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Too old to worry. Too mature for nonsense. Well, it's true. It's true. It comes against you in one way. It says you flee in seven ways, and you are, you are, you are afraid of how it will flee. So we need to get to that point where we go, no, not today. Not today. So something happens, you get a bad news, or you, something just happens. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Do you know why? Because he knows exactly what's going on. Right there. Say, but why didn't he stop it? No, it's not his place to stop it. It's your place to stop it. So now that it's happened, what are you going to do? I lean on him. My hope is built on nothing else but Jesus' blood and righteousness. I lean on him. I lean on him. Hallelujah. I could keep going for the rest of the night. But you know what? Let's call, let's call it a day here. Praise God. But don't forget those five things. Five things you have decided to flee from. And five things you need to pursue.
You need to pursue. And watch your life change. Watch those dreams becoming quite, you know, quite open. And you, and you can see them. You can see them. You can see them. You can see them. You, you can start to point to them. It's easier to dream. It's easier to dream when you no longer are held down by things. It's easier to dream. You see, some things that you are held down by. <laughs> oh, God, I need to stop. Okay. Some things that you are held down by are not even seen. Some things are not seen. They are weight. The reason why no one will go to someone who sprints, a sprinter, and say, let me see the type of shoe that you're wearing. Let's see if it's light enough for you to, to run with. No, you wear whatever shoe you want to wear. You just come in. Of course, they have a standard. But you could wear a heavy shoe. You could decide to tie a stone behind it. It's still OK, provided you think you can run. You can decide to wear a jacket. You know, if you can run, that's okay. So at times, some of the things that really holds you back is not something that is wrong in itself, but it's wrong for you. Others might be doing it, but it's wrong for you. Others get away with it, but it's wrong for you. Do you know why it's wrong for you? Not because God looks at you and goes, oh, you sinner. No, it, it just means that instead of you making ten strides at a time, you are only making two. Five things only, five things to change, to flee from, and five things to pursue. In Jesus' name. The message you've heard was produced by The Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com, or on Facebook, The Transedge Church. You may wish to call us on 2 Four seven three one two four one nine. The Trans Edge. A change is inevitable.